chapter 6, verse 24, just one verse. We'll read and then we'll stop there and say a few things and kind of put it in context. But Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24, the Bible says, Jesus says here, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Here, mammon means money or uh, physical things, wealth, uh, possessions, mammon. This, those are physical treasures. And Jesus said here clearly, you cannot serve God and mammon. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that you help us to understand some things this morning that would help us. Lord, we uh, live in a, in a physical world. We live in a world where uh, we, we uh, survive by um, physical and temporal things. And Lord, I pray that you help us to put the physical in the proper perspective and, uh, and see the eternal for what it's worth. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just bless, open up our eyes and our our hearts today. Lord, I pray that you speak to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> what is your greatest love today? What you love more than anything? Well, this Jesus spoke about loving the Lord and putting the Lord first. And so he says in this passage that nobody can serve two masters, and he's talking about wealth or treasures or physical things, possessions, as a master. And he says, you can't do that. You've got you to love God. You've got to put God above things. We're going to illustrate this in what Jesus said about money or about possessions, about things. Uh, with a, a man in Mark chapter 10, we're going to turn to that later. In Mark chapter 10, there's uh, the, the story of the rich young ruler that came to Christ. And uh, he kind of wanted to follow the Lord. He kind of wanted to, you know, be uh, right with God. And, and in his own way, he's uh, trying to uh, uh, make that, and Jesus called him out on that, and, and we'll see that later, where he illustrates the love of money in that man. We started in Matthew chapter 6. Let's put it in context and read the entire passage. Matthew chapter 6, again, verse number 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. So he's talking about all of the physical things, the things that money buys, the things that, that wealth secures, the physical things that you eat or drink or where you live, that kind of thing. He, he goes on to say, um, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Verse 26. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they, they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He's making the point that God takes care of, of uh, his creatures. 
And even the, uh, the, he uses the example of Solomon, probably the richest man that we know of in the Bible, uh, probably the richest man to that point in the world. That, that example, he says, Solomon and, and all of his wealth wasn't clothed as well as, as has the quality that even one of these lilies that are in the field. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What a passage. What a, what a, a, a balance that Jesus had when he talked about, when he looked at physical things. With these words, Jesus articulated a clear warning against the love of money and the, the things that money would secure. The physical things, things that you eat or put on or live or whatever. Or in our day, the things you drive or the things that you can purchase with wealth. Any of the, the pleasures that you can get here. Now, what he's talking about is temporal pleasures, pleasures of this world or this life. And he says, be careful that you don't love those things, that you don't lean on those things, that you don't value those things more than what they're really worth. See, if you don't get this right, you can't love God as you should. If we know that God demands one thing, it's that God demands everything from us, his creatures. All of our love, all of our devotion, all of our best, the greatest, the most valuable to us, that's what God requires. That's what God asks of us. Because he takes second place to nothing. God takes second place to nobody in our lives. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, when they were trying to tempt Jesus and trying to uh, trip him up in his words, and they asked, okay, what's the greatest of all the commandments? There's a, a big book. Now, we have the Old Testament is, is uh, about this, this much of the Bible. Um, and there's, I don't know, 600-some, they say, commandments of, of the Lord in the, uh, the Pentateuch alone. And so they're asking Jesus, well, what's the, what's the most important? If you, if you were to kind of categorize what's the, the most, if you were to just have one commandment, what is that? What is the most important? In Matthew 22, verse 36, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Doesn't ask much, does he? <laughs> everything. That's everything. And it's a command. It's a command that God demands everything. Read that again in verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt, this is it, this is the greatest commandment. If you were to take all the Ten Commandments, all the six hundred some commandments, and just kind of encapsulate them into one, what does it all mean right here if you to just... Uh, uh, boil it down to its essence. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, 
with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. In the first of the Ten Commandments, he said the same thing about other gods. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Little g, that means anything, any deity, anything that, that is valued so much that you bow down to worship. He is the top. Nothing, nothing is to take first place besides him. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He also demands our love for him so far exceed, exceeding even the proper love that we should have for our loved ones that in comparison, it would look like hate. I think sometimes people get tripped over the, the uh, verbiage that Jesus used in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. He says here, If any man come to me and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. Goodness, what are we talking about there? You got to hate everybody? I know a few people like that. <laughs> they, they hate everything, and that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about loving him so much that in comparison, if you lay, if you, you lay up in contrast, the love for God is so great above everything else. No, no matter what it is, your greatest love, your greatest human love doesn't even pale. As a matter of fact, would like, look like hate compared to that love. And that's what he says. He says that you've got to uh, have love for him that much. And if you don't have that kind of love, you cannot be my disciple. Verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he illustrates this, and he says, and, and he's giving these two examples in verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Okay, so he says, okay, you, you've got to count the cost. You know, in any project, what you've got to do is you've got to look at the bank account and see if you have enough to finish. You've got to be able to, to complete the entire thing. You don't start halfway and then find out halfway through you can't finish it and then it's uh it's folly you, you, you'll not uh, get that accomplished and then he, he he says it in another way in verse 31 or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able okay i've got to see if my army is able to overpower the the oncoming onslaught and so you you count in both of these he's saying you got to count the cost before you embark on something, you count the cost. In verse 33, he says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And what he's saying is, you better count the cost. This is what I require. This is what it costs to be his disciple. This is what it costs to make Jesus Lord of your life, counting the cost. He demands that we love him more than anything else. That's the cost. That's the cost. That's kind of why it took me so long to come to Christ, because I valued some things more than I did him. I shielded... Uh, my heart, my life, and hung on to things that were actually detrimental. They were 
sinful. They were harmful to me, and I did not know that. Well, kind of did, but I didn't. Didn't matter. That's what I was doing. I was, I was holding these things, and not coming to repentance. You know what repentance means? Repentance means a turnaround. It means agreeing with God about my condition, about the reality of who I am and what I needed and what he has. And it took me a long time to come to that place because I hung on to those sins and I hung on to those, that lifestyle and I wanted to be saved. I wanted to be a part of his. I wanted to go along, but I didn't understand these things. What I had to do is I had to count the cost. If I was ever going to make Jesus my Savior, my Lord, I was going to have to love him more than these things. I was going to have to put him above everything and anything else. And I remember that night that I finally came to Christ. It was, it was a time of, of uh, great importance where I understood what was going on. At the, and I, I understood that transaction on the table. I said, okay, Lord, whatever it is that I have, it's not worth it. I forsake it. I want you more than my sin. It's called repentance. And that night, he gave me eternal life. You know, we sang about it just a little bit ago. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Oh boy, what a wonderful day. I can't sing that song without crying. I mean, I do. I just, I'm sitting there weeping. Thank the Lord I brought my uh, thing. That, you know, every once in a while, don't, don't forget about a napkin or uh, what do you call that, a handkerchief. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm just making a big mess of things, you know. So anyway, what a great night. <laughs> what a great night. He saved me. But you know what it took? It took me to come to terms with what he requires. All that he had. Now, see, Jesus started this thing and it said you can't serve God and mammon and, you know, money, wealth. He's talking about wealth or he's talking about money. And, oh, there you go again, preacher, talking about money. Well, these are things that, that are attached to our heart. These are things that, that are, that's where we live. <clears throat> what does loving the Lord with everything, with all that you have, all your mind and soul, what does that look like? As we started off with the problem that Jesus taught, you can't love your life, your wealth, the things that money can buy, and God at the same time. He said you can't do that. Because one will take precedence. One will overtake. One is going to demand everything. Either the wealth or your pleasure or your life or the, the things that you have is going to demand everything or God will demand everything. You can't serve two masters because they both desire to be master. They both desire to be worshipped. You worship something, somebody, or you worship the Lord. But you can't serve, you can't worship two deities because they're opposite. You can't love your life or wealth or the things that money can buy and God at the same time. One exceeds the other. Both desire that place of first. Demand a full attention. They, they, they demand all of your focus or your worship or your love. Wealth and anything this world offers here and now or God will win your heart. Do you hear what I said? Wealth or anything that this world offers here and now, the temporary uh, blessings or uh, uh, the pleasures 
or the, the fame or the recognition, anything that this world offers is temporary, folks. It's just right here and right now and then gone. And whatever the world offers right here and right now or God will have your heart. Jesus said you can't love both. You cannot serve both. You cannot be a disciple that doesn't yield all or give up all or give your whole heart to the Lord. Like I say, this is illustrated in, you know, we're, we're talking about theory or, you know, uh, concepts that are hard to, to grasp, maybe. But it's illustrated in this story, and I want you to read it with me, Mark chapter 10, verse number 17. We call him the rich young ruler. He's, here's this guy that came to Jesus and, would you say close? Is he close to the Lord? Close to getting it right? Close to securing eternal life? But he didn't get it. He didn't have it. He came up short. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, you got to understand, this guy was, was intense, running. He, he, he wasn't casually walking up to him and say, Oh, let's, let's uh, uh, begin this conversation. No, no, no. He understood, understood who Jesus was, ran to him, kneeled down before him. That's kind of embarrassing, but he, he, he didn't care. I mean, he was... He was uh, uh, showing that this meant a lot to, to him. He, he ran to him, kneeled to him, asked, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And by the way, before we even get into this, it's what shall he, he do? That's what his problem was, what he was trying to earn. He was trying to do. He was trying to please God with things that he could accomplish, get the boxes checked off. Oh, you're in church now. So you're going to go to heaven because you're in church, right? No. You gave money in the offering a little bit ago or maybe have given to some charitable, uh, 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 charitable causes. So you're going to go to heaven, right? No. You, you do your best. You try. You, you're sincere. And so, therefore, you're going to go to heaven, right? No. Here's the, the man was, was off to, to begin with. He says, what should I do? What can I do to inherit eternal life? The answer is you can't do anything. But Jesus was going to play along with him and, and his mindset because he was self-righteous. He thought he was accomplishing. He thought he was following God. He thought he's doing this. So his question, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Verse 18, Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Knowest the commandments... Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he's talking about the Ten Commandments and those Jews of that day, they, they were very familiar with that. And he, answered, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. He says, hey, I'm in. I, 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 want, I want to know how I can have eternal life. And you said, if I do the Ten Commandments, if I follow the Ten Commandments, if I accomplish these things, then I have eternal life. That's the answer. What, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, okay, all the commandments. You know the commandments. This, 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 this. Okay, there they are. And he says, I'm in. Hey, I've done that from since I was a kid. 
I remember trying to, to follow the commandments of God and follow God here. And so he says, I've observed those from my youth up. And so, hey, he's in. Verse 21. So Jesus is going to call him on this. Oh, really? Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Now, he's going to bust his bubble here in just a minute. But notice that here's a man that wasn't in. Here's a man that was actually loving mammon and not loving God. Or, you know, that's the, you know, the, there's only one first place, and that was above God, and was, he's, he's proving that here. But he, here's a man that was without. He was lacking, but the Bible says he loved him. Jesus loved him. You might be here and... I don't know. Nobody knows. You know, I can't tell by the outside. You can't tell if I'm saved. I can't tell if you're saved. But let's say you've never been born again and you're going to die and go to hell. You're going to go from, from this address, 228th Street in, in Bothell, Washington. And someday your address is going to be in hell. You're going to be in hell someday. And you're hearing this message. And you've never repented like me when I was self-deceived. You, you had not repented. You, you did not come to terms with understanding that Jesus requires all and you weren't, you're not willing to give him all. You're not willing to turn it all, give him the keys. That's where you are today. You know something? Jesus loves you. I don't want to see you go to hell. He loves you like he loved this rich young ruler. And this guy was self-deceived and he was trying to help him to see these things and he was his conversation. We'll see that in just a moment. But he, the Bible says he loved him. He's, he's trying to get him to stop and to take inventory of where he's at. He's outside of the grace of God. He's outside of the goodness of God. He's not in the family of God. He needs to be born again. And so he's trying to help him here. But the Bible says Jesus beholding him loved him, verse 21. And said unto him, one thing thou lackest, this is what you need. You got this, 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 great, okay, good. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, you got to understand the reason why Jesus said this. You remember those verses that we just read a little bit ago? Matthew chapter 22, we'll get back here in just a second, but Matthew chapter 22, when they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He says, well, you know, all the Ten Commandments, they're all encompassed into one. The, you know, one will, will, will have every, every other one under, under that, uh, that outline, which is the great commandment of the law. Jesus saith unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So all the Ten Commandments, all of the Old Testament, all of the commandments of God, he says it's encompassed into one. You're to love God more than anything. So, you follow the commandments. You do the commandments, right? You obey. 
He says, yes, from my youth up. Okay, so if you follow the commandments, and they're all really encompassed in one, in one commandment, which is you got to love God more than everything else, more than anything else. You can't love anything. You can't put anything else above God. He is the only God, and there are, there are not to be any other gods before him. That's what all of these commandments really point to. Okay, so you love God more than you do your riches. Then this is it'll be easy for you. Sell everything. Get rid of everything. Come follow me. Whoa. Look at verse 22. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. For he had great possessions. This was a rich man. Jesus, I don't know if you, you understand what you're asking. You see, if I was a pauper, if I didn't have anything, and you were to ask me to just get rid of everything that I have, well, that's one thing. But you know something? It's not that. You're asking me to get rid of everything that I have, but I have great riches. I have great possessions. I am, I am a man of wealth. I've got bank accounts here, and I've got this here and there. And, and listen, I'm known for that. I can't do that. He had great possessions. And so he stopped right there, and he says, sorry, I'm not going to do that. And he went away grieved. He went away grieved because he, he's asking the one who makes the rules about going to heaven, says, this is what you need. Get rid of everything. But he went away grieved for he had great positions. He was revealed a liar. Well, wait a minute. You said you kept the commandments. You, you said, and it all encompasses in loving God more than anything else. He's a he didn't love God most. No, he loved his possessions most. You remember what Jesus said to begin with? You cannot serve God and man. man. You, you can't do that. You've got to choose. You, one, is, one is top. One is most. You only worship one. So he goes on, and Jesus looked round about, verse 23. Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciple, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, you think that's bad? Listen, children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I've, I've heard commentaries say, you know, the eye of the needle are these gates, these small half gates on the walls of Jerusalem, that if the, the large gates were, were closed at the end of the day, then they, could, they, they would have to go through these small gates. And, and uh, uh, here, if you had a camel with great possessions, you had to take the camel and get him on its knees and take everything off of his back. And he would kind of, it would just be really, really difficult for that camel to go through. And you have to take everything off to get. And so that's the eye of the needle. That's what he's talking about, these gates called the eye of the needle. Baloney. Don't give me that stuff. You know what an eye of a needle is? An eye of a needle is a needle, you know, and that little thing that I, when I was much younger I could see easier, but now I can't. I remember my mom, you know, doing this all, all day long, you know, trying to get that, and I'd say, Mom, here, give it to me. You know, I'd put the uh, thread through the eye of the, an eye of a needle. A camel through the eye of the needle. That's what Jesus said. That's what he meant. Say, preacher, why would you say that? Because, look at what he said just after that. 
which is where? I don't remember where that was. Verse 26, they were astonished, out of measure, saying among them, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible. It's that hard? It's that difficult? It's not okay? It's going to take much, much labor to get that camp? No, no. He said, that's impossible. It's impossible for somebody who has riches and, and that to enter into heaven. He, he meant what he said. That is impossible. But you want to know something? It's okay because the Lord said it's impossible with men. But he goes on to say, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. He makes the impossible, a camel to be able to go through an eye of a needle. Because that's when God steps into the picture. With men, it's impossible. See, folks, throughout the Bible, the Lord sounds out a very clear warning against loving or going after or pursuing, valuing wealth and the pursuit of money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 5. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. See, that's where many of the, the health wealth gospel is today. Well, if you get things, that's godly. That's, you know, of the Lord. No, no, no. They're supposing gain is godliness, but it's not. From such, he says, withdraw thyself. That's poison. That's not what God says. Verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich. It's not, by the way, God never uh, uh, rags on riches. He's talking about those who love money or those who will be. Hey, that's my goal. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be rich. I'm going after that. That's what I want. That's what my heart goes after. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. And here it is. For the love of money, not money, but the love of, that's putting that above God. That's worshiping somebody else before God. That's uh, God and mammon, and mammon wins. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meeknesses. He says, stay away from the love of money, but follow, uh, love God. Don't love money, love God. See, this pursuit and ultimate love of money is even seen in the religious realm. Titus 1.11, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. It's talking about those in the religious, those in churches, in the religious realm. They're preaching or teaching things because of what they can get out of it, the gain, money. Follow the money. Of course, sinful men will have their purity and piety tainted by the pursuit of money or position or fame and power. It's like it was back then and it's like it is today, folks. The same thing. 2 Timothy 4 7. I have fought a good fight, Paul says. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do this diligent, uh, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demoth has forsaken me, having loved this present world. 
He's departed. Uh, you know what he says there? You either love God, his appearing, love the things of God, or you love this present world. You got to make a choice. You can't love both. You remember what Jesus said? You can't serve God and mammon. And he says, you have a choice. You either love God, love the things of God, or you love whatever this world gives you. But for the masses that follow this world's temporary satisfaction, they're doomed to failure and emptiness and eternal hunger. Ecclesiastes 5.10, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. He says, okay, if that's your goal, you're going to be disappointed. Ask the woman at the well. Remember what Jesus told her? He's talking about water, but he's talking about everything of the world, which she was, she was a, 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 a poster child of the world. And he says, this water, you're going to be thirsty again. Not the water that I give. He goes on to say in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 13, There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. Riches will hurt somebody? Yeah. Are you pursuing things, temporary pleasures, money, all that money can secure to your hurt? Hey, folks, that's what he says. You better be careful. You better watch out. You think it's a blessing. You think it's, uh, it's uh, 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 good things. No, no. It's to your hurt. Or will you recognize that God has eternal bliss and satisfaction and fulfillment that is opposite of the temporary? So three, three simple questions about money from the rich young ruler, and then we're going to uh, close up. Number one, you remember the man that came to Jesus and he says, okay, what do I need? This, 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 I'm in. He was self-deceived. The question that you need to ask, number one, are you self-deceived? Do you really think you're good enough to go to heaven? Do you, do you really think that you're clean enough? You really think that what you've done or you're doing is, is good enough to, to make the grade? And that's what he said, what shall I do that I may in, inherit eternal life? He says, well, do the commandments. And he says, all these have I observed from my youth. Do you think you're perfect like this guy did? Sinless? Do you think God grades on the curve? You know, that you're better than a lot of people around you and so therefore you're in? No. No, he doesn't. One sin makes a sinner. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One. How many things that you steal do you have to be uh, do you have to, to steal to be a thief? Just yesterday, where was I? Or the day before, I was someplace and I got water at a fast food store. And because I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> That's who I am. I didn't want to spend the money. So I'm a cheapskate. I got water. But I'd rather have soda, you know. So I drank my water and then went, went back for the refill. And there's all of those things there. You know, and I'm going, you know, I just want, and I remembered what the Bible said about this. You know, if I refill my cup from something I didn't pay for, I'm a thief. How many things is, do you have to steal to be a thief? One, one. That's our nature, though. That's our nature. One lustful look makes you to be an adulterer before God. In your heart, that's what he said. 
One unforgiving hatred makes you a murderer before God, and that's where it counts. You see, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You think that you're okay? You think that you're better? You think that because of what you've done? No, no, wait a minute. The Bible says, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous. No, not one. Luke 13.3, Jesus says, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He, the, the, the example was a bunch, bunch of people were wicked and it looked like God had had. Uh, brought down judgment. And he said, no, no, every one of you, everybody, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. And here's this one rich young ruler who says, hey, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I've done this. Are you, are you deceiving yourself like this guy did? Number two, are you missing one thing? That's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. See, but that one thing was everything. You cannot serve both, you cannot love both, you can't be unfaithful to God and also be accepted by God. Oh, wait a minute, uh-oh, hang on, hang on, preacher. If I'm going to be honest with you, I confess, I don't love God like that. I, I don't see how I can love God like that because I live in this temporal world and I love food and I love things and I love people and I love recognition and, and I, I'm human. I, I love pleasures and temporary desires. I can't love God like that. It's impossible for me to love God like that and love the, a future reward rather than the things I can get right here. Yeah, is that kind of like a, a camel going through the eye of a needle-like? Yeah, exactly. It's impossible. Exactly. You can't. You can't change your heart. Listen, I remember trying so many times to be a Christian, and I couldn't be a Christian. I couldn't change my heart. I couldn't uh, uh, take the, the surface and just cover it up and say, okay, I'm good now. No, no, my heart was still going after the things that it was going after. Wicked. It was wicked going after temporary things. But God can change the heart. When I finally turned over the keys and said, God, I can't do this. I can't love you. I want to, but I can't love you. And you know what? He changes hearts. Thank the Lord. He changes hearts. Are you missing that one thing? Number three. Here's a good question, a question that we all need to consider. Will your possessions send you to hell? Everybody has a wealth, something that they value, something they treasure. Now, you might not have a bank account, and maybe that bank account, yes, is in the way, and that's going to send you to hell because you don't want to obey God. You don't want to, you know, you're, you're loving that. You're holding that before God, and so, yes, that's, that's exactly what's going to happen. That wealth is going to send you to hell. But you know what? It doesn't have to be a bank account. You don't even have to have a job. You don't even have to have money. But you value something, whatever it is, that temporal friend, whatever it is that you have, is, will your possession send you to hell? You remember what he said? And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Okay, there's heaven, going to heaven or going to hell. What am I going to choose here? 
I'd rather have the things that I, I'm hanging on to. Will, will your possessions, will you allow your love of money to keep you from heaven? Really? There was a man that was, got saved as years before the Lord, his long story, years before the Lord worked on him, got saved, and he's going to be baptized. And so he comes down in front of the whole church. He's coming down into the water. And the preacher noticed that he had his wallet on him. And he was walking down into the water. And he says, uh, hey, Joe, your, your, your wallet's with you. You might want to you know, put that off to the side until you get baptized and then come out because it's going to get it wet. And he says, oh, no, preacher, that's on there for, for a reason. That's what kept me from getting saved. I want to make sure my wallet gets baptized too. <laughs> Don't let anything keep you from heaven. Really. Not even the entire world of riches. If you were the richest man on earth, just uh, this last week, it was uh, Bill Gates overtook Bezos. And, and the caption was, it really, and it was expletive, it was vulgar. It, it really uh, is not good to be Joe Bezos. <laughs> I think, listen, if I had second, okay, if I was the second richest man in the world, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't cry about that. But, uh, hey, you, you want to know something? Uh, even if you were the richest man in the world. See, this is what Jesus said about that. Luke chapter 9, verse 25. For what is the man advantage if he gained the whole world? And lose himself or be cast away. <clears throat> Jesus said, no, that's not a good deal. You can have everything, everything here. But you know what? You're giving it up. It's only temporary. You're going to be someplace for eternity. You're going to stand before God. Now listen, now, will your possessions keep you from heaven? It's a bad deal. Nobody gets it all, have the whole world. But Jesus said, if you could, if you gain the whole world and lose himself. See, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Your life is shorter than your enjoyment. But this cast away, when he says, if you gain the, the whole world, lose himself or be cast away. That, those words, cast away, intimates the scene where the lost will be flung into the abyss of flames. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire by the angels. Now listen, don't go for that, that, uh, that door number two. It's not worth it, folks. It's not worth it. Now whatever it is that's keeping you from heaven, and it could be your wealth, it could be your family, it could be your friends, it could be your position, it could be your reputation. I don't care what it is. If it's keeping you, that temporal thing, if it's keeping you from heaven, it's not worth it. <clears throat> it's so not worth going to hell for anything, for anyone, for any amount that, of this world's gain. That's what Jesus said. So I ask you this morning, what is your greatest love? God or mammon? The things of this world. Are you going to allow money, that's possessions or things or idols or people even, are you going to allow those things to send you to hell? Bad call. Hey, get saved today. Believer, will you use money to glorify God or are you going to allow money to abuse you? I want to glorify God. I want to glorify God with everything that I have.
Okay, Lord, it's all yours. You know what? He takes care of us. And he, and he, and he gives more than we, we try to scrape and, 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 and gather and, and stress over things. And God blesses. He blesses everything that you need, everything you have need of. He, he takes care of you. Let's use money. Let's not let money use us. Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment.